So let me begin this episode by telling you another Zen story. This is about two young monks who belong to a very strict monastic order and they are traveling from their village back to their monastery. They're walking. It's a long journey. And one day they come to a river bank and they have to cross that river to get to the other side. And on the river bank, there's this young, very attractive woman who seems stranded. She has to get to the other side, but she doesn't know how to. So the two monks are standing a little away from her. And she looks at them with that helpless expression on her face. And one monk says to the other, Brother, I think we should go help her. And the other monk says, no, we can't, we can't do that. We, we, we've taken an oath uh, not to not to be close to a woman again since we signed up for this monastic order. We've taken an oath of celibacy and the monk who had offered to help or thought of helping said, I think we should help her. And so he goes to the woman and says, uh, Ma'am, can I help you? And the woman says that she needs to get to the other side. And she is not able to cross the river on her own because she doesn't know how to swim and she's afraid. So the monk just offers to carry her on his back and she gets on his back and the monk and the woman and the other monk who is really skeptical about the whole thing they start walking across the river they wade through the shallow waters And the other monk who was strongly opposed to the idea of being around a woman and doing anything with a woman is thinking, oh my, 
we've just gone ahead and broken the monastic oath. What will my masters say when I meet them at the monastery? How will I be able to face them? What will I tell them? When I left my village to become a monk, did I ever imagine this will there will come a day when something like this will happen? I had taken such a strict oath of celibacy and this fellow, this fellow monk has, by his rash actions, ruined everything for me and for himself. So with these thoughts, he crosses the river. The monk who'd helped the lady gets to the other side, puts her down. And then the two monks are on their way and the lady is on her way in another direction. So they walk and walk, the monks, they're walking and half a day passes. And then they sit under a tree to get some rest. And the monk who was having so many troubles in his head, whose mind was refusing to let go, he told the other monk, Brother, why did you do that? Why? Why have you done something that's so wrong? Why did you carry the woman on your back? Why did you carry that young woman on your back? And the other monk replies very quietly. He says, Brother, I left that woman on the bank hours ago. But you are still carrying her with you now. And that's what it's all about. Again, as I had talked about in the earlier episode, the troubled monk was with his thoughts throughout that journey after they helped the lady. And what were those thoughts? Those thoughts were about how he, the individual, the I, the ego, was in so much of trouble because of what he had done or what he had witnessed his fellow monk doing. The mind 
was moving from the past to the future oh i had left my village with such thoughts of purity and now look what it has what has happened or oh my what will my masters say to me when they find out about this i can't lie to them and all of this there is this i that's the primary thought the thought that brings up all the other thoughts and we never question the i we never ask what what is this i and why does it bother so much why does it cause so much of misery and so much of pain and why can't this i be at peace this is exactly what my gurus have talked about when they say look inward what they mean to say is find out what this i is find out where does it come from when you ask when a devotee asks shri ramana maharishi how can how can i be at peace why am i so troubled his answer would be first find out who is troubled who is this i that's troubled and where does it come from and what is the answer to this question who is this i who am i and people usually answer this question saying i am so and so and i live here in this is my address and this is where i work this is what i do these are my parents this is my wife these are my children your entire identity is based on where you live what's your address who are you related to but the gurus say you're looking you're looking in the wrong direction you're looking outward and that is the i in relationship in relationship in relation should in relation should in relationship with the world in relation to the world the i and the other because everything that you see around you you feel with your senses is the other and the guru say 
डोंट लुक आउटसाइड डोंट लुक आउटवर्ड बट गो इनवर्ड इंस्टेड बट दैट साउंड सो वेग राइट हाउ हाउ डू आई गो इनवर्ड एंड द आंसर टू दैट इज you need to slowly decode the meaning of this individual i some call it the ego some call it the i some call it the individual but what is this i and if you stop answering that question with i am with your name and your address and your belongings and your relationships then you might say well this mind and this body this is me isn't it and where does your mind and body stop uh, well it stops at my fingertips the toes of my uh, feet that's where it stops this is this is me isn't that interesting that we've defined an individual as a body and a mind but is that really true isn't that a concept and like all concepts it's subject to interpretation what we should really be asking is that all that we know till now about ourselves about us about us as an individual about me as an individual does that hold really true and that's where modern science and genetics comes to our help one of the biggest arguments in favor of this i this body mind organism that calls itself the i is that it does it is the doer it acts it has free will it can think on its own it can act on its own it makes choices 
it makes decisions it moves it breathes but is i really the doer are you really doing things now what you've learned till now all the conditioning that you've grown up with tells you yes you do things right you are the one who's studying you are the one who's working you are the one who's cooking you are the one who's walking and sleeping and then the distinctions start coming in so what are the things that are in your control i can make choices i can pick what i want to eat and i can i can pick where i would like to go and what i'd like to do uh but maybe i can't influence how food gets digested in me i can't influence at what time do i go to sleep i can't influence a lot of things that are not in my control including what's happening inside of me and what's happening externally but there are a set of things that are in my in the eyes control but that itself is being challenged by the findings of modern science and that is something which non duality the philosophy of non duality has been talking about since time immemorial so let's explore what this doership or i do is all about and whether it holds true or not in the next episode thank you for listening in